The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Bronxpinstripes.com proudly brings to you the most exciting Yankees podcast in the world! George's box and man did I hold that long. Nailed it. <laughs> After last week, man, I, I couldn't breathe, I couldn't talk, I was in so much pain. You carried this show, as always. I am your host, JJ. You can follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, at JJ from the Bronx. Joined, as always, by Keith McPherson. You follow him on Twitter, at Keith underscore McPherson. It's just Keith McPherson on Instagram. You follow this show, George's Box Pod, Twitter, Instagram. But most importantly, you're already listening to it. Just maybe follow us on Twitter. Just hit a retweet for something when we tweet out the link. Give us five stars. Subscribe, review. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Keith, how are you doing this week? I'm great, man. Fresh off uh, Memorial Day weekend. The weather has turned back into the rain and lower temps, but back to reality, back to the work week. And uh, I don't know, 35 wins, all is well in Yankee world. What, so, what a great me? week to be a Yankee fan. It was a great week last week. It's a great week this week. I'm excited because I know Friday night we're going to be at Yankee Stadium. We've got a Bronx Pinstripes event. If you don't have a ticket through us, that's fine. Just buy a ticket. We'll be at the dugout starting like 4.30, 5 o'clock, tipping them back. Keith will be there for you to take pictures with him. Make sure you ask politely. He is a superstar, so tread lightly with him. But Scott will be there. You want to meet Scott. I guess if you want to talk to Andrew, he'll be there, even though he doesn't believe in this roster and scheduled his world his wedding during the World Series because he doesn't believe in the Yankees. But we're going to be there. We're also going to be in Section 205. We've got about 250 people. We're going to be rocking out. We're going to be loud. We're going to have a great time. I know I'm also going back to the game on Saturday. So really, all focus is on the Bronx right now. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. Friday night, movie. I mean, Red Sox come to town. It's supposed to be like 79, 80 degrees. We've got 200-plus people coming out. Um, the T-shirts are sick. The Take the East T-shirts. Everyone's going to be in 205 and all white. I'm sure you'll be able to see us on Yes Network if you can't make it to the game. But if you do make it to the game, 
Got to come to the dugout. Got to come to Section 205 and find us. Let's flick up, take pics, capture some stuff. You know, it's it's summer now. It's officially summer, so let's do it up big. As like you're, uh, I mean, you're a Jersey Shore guy, essentially, right? You know, like you basically yeah, grew all up the way there. through. Is this like when you don't? Li- I feel like everyone I know who's kind of like from your area or grew up like very close to the shore. You're not that far from home, but when you're every minute that you're not near that atmosphere during these months, does it just like eat at you alive? Um, it's weird. I like, I don't know. I don't even live that far from there, but there is this weird feeling. Like I only live about 50 minutes North in Jersey city. Like I'm still in Jersey, but like, there's a part of you that knows like, like this is where you're from. And now, especially like I'm from ocean township, which is a town over from Asbury Shore conference Park, football rules. There's so Short conference football, you know about it. <laughs> Everyone is starting to pop up in Asbury Park. Asbury Park's starting to get the press it deserves. And I've watched the town build over the last, like, 10, 15 years. And I still remember what it looked like when I was, you know, 5, 10, 15. Um, it's an interesting time. I miss it. Every time I go back, I'm like, yo, it's, it's so good to be back, even if, uh, you know, it's a 45-minute ride down the park. Well, that's awesome, man. I'm glad you had a good Memorial Day. We hope everyone listening did. Uh, it was a great week to be a, a Yankee fan, as I said. We talked last Tuesday after having just beat the Orioles 10-7. We had three more games against the Orioles. And the good thing is that if you're going to play the Orioles for four games in 2019, guess what? You're going to win four fucking games because that team stinks on ice. They are so bad. Um, I mean, I want to say it was dramatic. I guess, you know, the last game when... You're going to walk in the winning run for a sweep. Maybe there was some drama around that. But every game against the Orioles feels like a Sunday afternoon nap game. Yeah, those games, I mean, the one we had to come back was a little bit interesting. I think that was the one CC yep. pitched. But those games are games that we're supposed to win. Everyone knows we're going to win. The O's know we're going to win. And it's just a matter of time until we either smoke them and go up a bunch of runs or until we come back and take the lead. Like watching those games is just the Yankees handling business. And, you know, we're, we're going to crush teams like that. And we have to crush teams like that. Last year, I feel like some of those games with so many of cracks them. or yeah, we, we literally played down to our competition at times. No, nah, you see guys like Voight coming up to back Glaber, Gary, and they're just punishing the ball. Clint locked in just everybody knowing that you got to put teams away. And also that we're never out. You know, teams can never put us away. Definitely not these these bad teams. Like, we're in every game that we play. I, I think it's – and we talked about this, I believe, last week or it may have been the week before, where Yankee Twitter – and I, I, it has to be last week because I was complaining about Yankee Twitter. It's so easy for us to get negative very early on and just be like, oh, well, it's the fourth <laughs> inning and we're down three. You honestly cannot ever give up on this team because – the way they just they, – they stick to it, every one of these guys is, to a certain extent, uh, you know, they're f- playing for their career because we do know reinforcements are coming, and as always, we'll talk injuries and, and updates around that. But all of these guys are taking every opportunity they have and every chance that they're getting and making the most out of it, and you just piece those together, you end up sweeping the shit out of the Orioles. Yeah, and it's it's competition. Competition brings out the best in everyone. These guys are competing not just against the other team, but against each other. Some of these guys know that, you know, they have to ball out to stay on the club. So everybody wants to be the guy. Everybody is trying to make a play. Everybody is 
trying to come up to the plate and get a hit, hit the home run. Um, it's it's an awesome it's an awesome vibe. It's an awesome just like energy with this team. It's 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 so different than last year. Last year it seemed like we were waiting for you know Judge or Gary or Stan or somebody to hit a bomb. This year it's like anybody coming up to the plate can be the guy, and all it takes is a single to start it or a walk walk to start it, and everyone's watching the game like here we go, this run's coming in. Last year watching the Red Sox, and I, I know this is not a Red Sox podcast, but watching them last year, what I like loved about how they played baseball is that they got guys on base and they got guys in. We've kind of adopted that this year. We got we we get guys on base and we're not stranding runners. We get guys on base and you know like oh Glaber's coming up, he's gonna well, hit this out. Speaking of Glaber, has anybody owned a team <laughs> the way Glaber Torres has owned the Baltimore Orioles this year? Glaber Torres has ten home runs against the Baltimore Orioles. It's from Memorial Day. Now, we've played the Orioles a lot. Uh, it was a front-loaded schedule in terms of, uh, you know, our schedule against them and, and playing them. But Jesus Christ, is he murdering them. And I think he killed Gary Thorne. Did you see the uh, – the oh, I mean, that was so depressing to hear that poor guy, especially – Can't do his job, you know. He's, he's supposed to call the O's game for the O's fans. He's – He's trying to do the job of the skipper. He's saying, don't pitch to him. And this this has been going on now. Like, Glaber's, I think majority of his home runs are against the Orioles. Something yeah. ridiculous. Like He's got 10, 10 of 11. his 12 this um, year are against the Orioles. Yeah, so don't pitch to him. It's super it's, it's super easy to avoid that. But you can't avoid it. And I think they, they keep trying him. And Glaber's got this weird chip on his shoulder. I think he was quoted saying something about everyone was calling us a triple-A team. We're not a triple-A team. Yeah. And, I, I, I like laughed at that because I'm like, no one was talking about you, Glaber. <laughs> we were talking about, or, you know, critics were talking about Estrada and Urshela and Mike Ford and the Talkman couple weeks we had. G, uh, and not uh, Gio. Glaber took that shit personal. I like personal, that, though. And it's great to see. It's great to see. Yeah, I like leadership. that. Don't separate yourself from the team. Just like, you know what? Fuck it. You think we're AAA? It's we. I like that, that it's just, it's we. Right. He's stepping up. And, man, how much do you love seeing him and Gary in the lineup next to each other? Like, it's trouble for especially the O's, but it's trouble for anybody, man. They're, they're massive. Yeah, I mean, they're, the, the lineup, it just keeps picking each other up. Uh, when you've got a guy, especially when you're, you're playing the Orioles. And so I've always thought it's weird when you say, like, oh, well, this guy's good against, like, this team. Because... At a, to a certain extent, over the course of a career, you're really just playing laundry. It's different people. Uh, so, you know, when you say, like, also Aaron Judge has 15 career home runs in 44 games against the Orioles. And, you know, imagine if he was in this lineup for all this, too. They'd probably send the Orioles all down with AAA. But I think the important thing is that Glaber is just beating up on bad pitchers. If you're a bad pitcher and you step to him, he's going to take you over the fucking wall. And he's going to make you pay for it. And that's not necessarily him being good against the Orioles. It's just the Orioles are bad and he's a good baseball player and he's making the most of it. And it's exactly you know what you've mentioned of you know in the past playing down to our competition. It's very easy to do that. You get in, you know, there are those games where you know you get up 7-1 and then, oh, they, they chip away, and then they start, you know, you scored some runs, so they score some runs, and it just gets sloppy all around. Instead of holding a 7-1 lead, you kind of play down. They're not doing that, and Glaber's definitely not doing that. 
because those bums in Baltimore got dealt with. Pray for Gary Thorne and his whole family. I mean, he's making these uh, Orioles kids Glaber fans. Uh, I think before one of the games, they had uh, like 3,000 kids at the stadium like a couple hours before first pitch. If I'm a little kid in Baltimore and I'm watching the Yankees, I'm looking at Glaber Torres like I want a 25 jersey. I don't care about the Orioles. Whoever that dude is, I want to be him, Dad. Get me his jersey. Because Glaber was going off. And I don't know. He's got to be player of the week for or player of the month for May. I don't know if we've seen anything like like this. This dude, he, he's like you said, it's a superstar versus mediocre pitching, and he like Mike, Mike Trout's not going to come up against some bullshit ass pitcher and let this guy strike him out. Like Glaber is doing what he's supposed to do. He is who we thought he was. A now, the, and, and, good, and there's been talk of him. like his attitude and things like that because he is a, a little flashy, but. Really making every pitch count, every at-bat count, is how you erase that over time. And, I mean, I think it's safe to say after watching him play those four games in Baltimore, he's probably the best person to ever play shortstop in that uh, in that stadium. Definitely way better than Cal Ripken. So <laughs> let's take it over to the Royal Series, huh? God damn. Yeah, yeah why not? Coffin Stadium. Yeah, I tried to. I honestly looked when um, the game got rained out Friday. I was like, oh, there's a doubleheader Saturday. I looked at flights to see if I could just fly down there and fly back. It was like seven hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> Memorial Day, last day Memorial yeah, Day. Yeah, uh, I was like, there, no one's going to Kansas City, and it's true, no one's going to Kansas City, including airplanes. No one flies from Philly to Atlantic City uh, to Kansas City. But the Yankees did go down for the weekend and spend it in Kansas City, playing at Kauffman Stadium. Uh, Friday night, we got hit with a rainout. And it was one of those, I saw a lot of people tweet about this, but it was a beautiful Friday night here. You know, on the East Coast, it was beautiful. Yeah. And it is always tough when they're on the road and you're like, what do you mean rain out? It's beautiful out. But I think for Memorial Day Friday, it gave people their Friday night. I already had tickets to go see Aladdin, which is a great film. Um, if you enjoy Aladdin, go check it out. So the rain out really didn't impact me at all. You had a Friday night as well. So... Yeah, I mean, I um, what was I doing Friday? Oh, I was I was helping my my um, girlfriend's sister move into her new place, so it was perfect. Yeah, <laughs> we're I'm like, okay, we got to I'm like, this has got to be done by eight ten. We got to go to the bar, watch this game. They they postponed the game, made the doubleheader. I'm like, oh, okay, well now, what do you guys want to do? Just keep uh, bringing boxes and stuff in. That's fine. And a Memorial Day weekend doubleheader is not terrible because if you're at the beach or like you could throw it on the radio, you're on a boat, you get like, you just kind of have baseball on all day. Baseball is a great background, like summer sound. And then you still have a game at night if you're out at the bar. So you kind of get the best of both worlds of being able to listen to a game and watch a game uh, as like two separate experiences, but all in the same day. I don't know if that actually means anything, but that just came to me now and I felt like it was deep. <laughs> no, I'm with you on it, and I know I know what you're trying to say. That's definitely that's like you gotta you gotta love baseball and watch baseball for years to really get like the feeling and like things like that. And it's tough to watch every single game, but most of us are trying to at least listen to the game on the radio, stream it on your phone, catch it at a bar if we're you know in transit or we're not at home. So yeah, I, I feel so the Yankees start off Saturday with a, like a two o'clock game uh, with Jay Happ on the mound. And it turns out that if Jay Happ 
faces anyone besides the shitty Baltimore Orioles. He's a decent pitcher. He gave us six innings, uh, only gave up three runs, so that's a that's a quality start for all the sabermetrics nerds out there. Uh, struck out 10, though, and he kept the ball in the yard, only gave up one home run. And then on the offensive side of things, I mean, Luke Voigt powered us with a home run, but we had RBIs, you know, from uh, from Clint, from Estrada, from Geo. So we're seeing a lot of the love spread around, especially, you know, when you've got two games, you know, almost everybody in the lineups getting a hit. It's a great way to start a Saturday, and it makes you feel going into that night game like at least you're going you're gonna to split it. And then at night, you come back out there, and we're throwing Chance Adams um, in kind of a, a spot <laughs> start. Or, no, no, we're throwing Chad Green with Chance Adams following him. We're turning in kind of the Rays, trying to piece together because when it comes to pitching, we are – we're winning all these games. It's so because I've decided I'm going to only be positive this week. Um, we are in possible trouble if Paxton doesn't come back fine this week because we really only have three starting pitchers right now. And we are just kind of throwing out bullpen games, you know, every like two days or so. And this was a team win. We've got Chad Green, Chance Adams, Holder, Canely, Britton, and Araldis Chapman combining to only give up four runs, uh, or no, five runs, four earned, and we win this game 6-5 without hitting a home run, which is, I mean... It's, it's different. It is different. <laughs> it is not what we're used to. Um, I guess it is progressive. I guess it is the new Yankees, the new Yankee way. Um, it's not just the Yankee way. We, we've seen this. Uh, we've seen other teams start with the opener and bullpen the game, and we're winning these games. Um, I see fans say like, "Oh, you guys, uh, we're, why they're punting this game, or we're giving it up, or you know, even like watching like Nestor Cortez pitch. N- Nestor Cortez, he he goes a few innings and shocks me every time. I I go into like watching him pitch with anxiety, and he survives, and I'm just like, well. There's something in the air. It like falls into the next man up mentality, right? Like everyone do your part. Everyone chip in. We're going to figure it out. We're going to survive. We're going to win. And everyone seems to be on that same page. So it doesn't matter who's pitching and it doesn't matter who's, who's hitting. Like we're going to keep winning somehow. Yeah. Somewhere. I mean, I think when it comes to exactly like you said, like a guy like uh, a Nestor Cortez, it's just a matter of like, I don't know you, man. Like, that's really what it comes down to. It's like, I don't know you. Yeah, you like haven't who? done shit for me. <laughs> I mean, Nestor Cortez, um, when, when did we first see Oh, we first saw him in Tampa yeah. when he gave it Yeah, up. and that was a game where it looked like we were punting when we could have uh, taken over first place and we didn't. And it, it was just kind of, you know, an ugly throwaway game off a CC start when we had used a lot of bullpen the day before. But now, you know... Is he, he's been better. He's been, yeah, been a lot I mean, better. Is he going to change the world for us? Probably not. He struck out 13 in 10 innings, and that's a start. Yeah, he's an innings He's he's an innings eater in those, those like middle innings. He'll give you like three, yeah, four and innings. Yeah, right now with the way our rotation looks like, you know, I'll take it. Um, I think when, when we look at a game like the, the second game where we're winning without any home runs, we're piecing the other bullpen now, I've been critical of Aaron Boone, too, because he has at times. 
there are times when you're just like, what decision are you making here, my guy? Like, why are you bringing in whoever it is that you're deciding to bring in when, you know, you feel like someone else is available? Um, I think if you told me the injuries that we were going to have now, 15 people on the IL and that I didn't, I wouldn't think Aaron Boone would have a job at this point. I would assume that there's no way he could manage himself to 35 wins. Manager of the year. I mean, in cash, we trust and cash. We trust shout out to the cash guy, but Aaron Boone deserves a lot of credit too. Cause this shuffle game replaced for 28 that we've been talking about every week on this podcast, man, like he's, he's, he's doing his job and some, um, some of the moves that he's had to make, they take guts and they take balls. And then even some of the moves that he makes that we all question and we're like, what are you doing? Like, why are you going with Chad green here? They're working out for him. So, I mean, I'm happy with them. I'm, I'm, in year two of Aaron Boone managing the Yankees, you would think that he's been doing this a lot longer. Yeah, I mean, I, and I don't necessarily always think it is just Aaron Boone. I mean, I think Aaron Boone was hired because he will look at the Sabre metrics and he will, to a certain extent, do what he's told. And if that's what he's there to do, I'll tell you what, he's doing the shit out of it because we've now... You know, we just spend a week beating up on bad teams, and we've got the Padres in town, another bad team, and we beat them yesterday. But one of the big narratives, and because now it is Memorial Day's past, so you kind of know who your teams are. And this now starts uh, kind of a new season of Twitter, especially with the series we have coming up this weekend, which is Let's Fight the Other Team Twitter. So we are out there fighting with the Red Sox. I mean, I, I'm proactively trying not to, but you do see that uh, based on strength of schedule, the Yankees have had the easiest schedule so far this season of any baseball team. And to that, I say, yeah. they don't make the schedule. They just show up and play it. So if maybe they made the schedule you know, differently, um, it would have been, you know, th- there would be different results. Uh, I mean, we beat the Red Sox when they were an under 500 team. So they don't count in our, you know, beating good teams. We beat them when they were a bad team. Right now, the Yankees are one of only four teams in Major League Baseball that have a winning record against teams above 500. And that's something that you're not going to see coming out of the uh, Jared Carabases of the world. Was that a little jab at your at your old... Yeah. Uh... You're, I don't even know what to call them. Yeah, Old yeah, yeah. Just these, um, these haters, the yeah, Red Sox and, fans. And then there's even the, I mean, there's the bottom feeder Orioles fans who know that they stink and they're just like, oh, well, you're not playing anyone good while we're beating them. Yeah, there, there's enough Yankee fans on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else. I don't even engage with any other communities on Twitter. Like, I really I have no interest in talking to any other fan bases, but I'm sure it's coming. Um, and with the Yankees, right, like you said, we just show up to play. We don't make the schedule, but we're handling these teams. If we weren't handling these teams, the, the whole narrative would be changed. If we weren't handling these bum-ass teams, it would be like, oh, well, the Yankees are hurt. No, the Yankees are hurt. We're beating who we're supposed to beat. And you can't say that we didn't handle the, the Minnesota Twins when they came to town. We won that series. Um, Seattle was playing okay baseball when we beat them. Um, the two series that we lost were... Arizona and Houston and that Arizona two game series. What the fuck was that? That, that shouldn't even have been scheduled (laughs) like that. 
like to end the road trip, we I think we played a Tuesday and a Wednesday in Arizona. Okay, well, you're gonna lose those games, and those were close games. They were competitive, and we played the Astros in their place um, pretty early in the year. They got the best of us, and those were also close, competitive games. You can't take shit from this team. I don't care, like if you're a hater or supporter, and Yankee fans are both haters and supporters. We're doing what we're supposed to do. We're on track to do exactly what we want to do. Thirty-five wins after Memorial Day, like. I'm super cool with what I'm seeing, and I have faith that it's going to continue. We're only going to get better as we get healthy. So I did say that right now we're playing the Padres, and the Padres are a bad team, and I say that just because I don't give a shit who you put on the Padres. The Padres are the fucking Padres. They stink. They are a 28-26 and 26 team, so they are technically a good team, according to baseball. And the, yeah, and the Yankees came out yesterday. Um, the, or, the Padres score two very early in the game in the second inning. And then what do the Yankees do? They respond by with home runs from Clint Frazier and from Brett Gardner. Uh, very important there is Brett Gardner hit that home run af- off a left-handed pitcher. He's really struggled this year, uh, recently only batting like 122 off of lefties. So it shows that it's just, to me, it's just, oh, here's another way the Yankees do it. And then, of course, you have Gary Sanchez doing what he's done all year and just Gary Sanchez, I feel like, only hits home runs from, like, the seventh inning on. He only, like, if he can, he's the nail in the coffin guy. Whether he, we need to come back yeah. or him to bury someone, <laughs> that's what Gary's doing. He lives for those late moments. He's he's nice and lathered up when, when it's time for him to uh, step in the box. for. One and again, those. I mean, when you look at it from a pitching standpoint, Chad Green, Hale, Adovino, Canley, Britton, Chapman, um, uh, it's again. It's weird. We're not used to seeing that from the Yankees. We we don't do like the uh, the opener or you know uh, however they put it. But when you think about how we showed up to spring training as especially as fans with our nuts out of like well, we got this fucking bullpen and the bullpen at yeah. the beginning of the year struggled. I mean we were critical of them early in the season on this very show. But this is why you build that bullpen. I mean we said like. Well, really, you're building this bullpen for when CC can only give you four and two thirds, but you're still in the game. No, this is for flexibility, and that's why you have Chapman and Britton and Adovino, who could all be closers all over the place, and then soon, you know, Batansis back as well. Yeah, it's a, it's another insurance plan, right? You have all these guys ready in case you lose a starter or two, in case. You need to have a bullpen game. You need Chad Green to be the opener. Um, I love watching it. I, I know it's 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 progressive, like I said. It's the new age baseball. Um, I think Michael Kay the other day was reading off the six pitchers that pitched for us in uh, Kansas City, maybe. And it was kind of just like he was kind of reading it like, uh, you know, like this is this is the new age baseball we're seeing because back in the day it was hey, this is the starter. We're going to ride with him until he hits a certain amount of pitches or until we got to take him out, and then we're hitting the bullpen. No, we have a strong bullpen, and we can use it in multiple ways. It doesn't have to be to you know take our starter out after five or six. We can bullpen the whole game. If our starters are hurt, guy like Paxton goes down, even with like not having Seve, we got reinforcements. I love it. It's Like I said, it's another insurance plan. It's, it's dope to Within see. that game, the – Big story that people are trying to make a story that I, I don't think either one of us thinks the story is Manny Machado getting booed when he came up to bat for the Padres. Where, where do you, where do you fall on? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a shocker. I thought about going to that game yesterday. Um, if I had got back 
from the shore earlier. I was thinking about going to that game to get the bobblehead, but I'm not going to get a bobblehead of a guy that's not. On oh the team yeah, right we're Stanton bobblehead day. Um, yeah, <laughs> so I kind of I wanted to, even though I'm way over Machado. I love how this team is playing. Like I'm cool with who we have at third base. I'm way over us not signing Machado, but what do you expect Yankee Stadium to do when Machado comes to the plate? It's there's still there's still a huge hangover for a lot of people. And don't get me wrong, uh, I was listening to the radio today, WFAN, uh, the CMB show with like Bart Scott. I, I forget what the CMB stands for, but Bart is the B. And they gave a shout out to Yankees Twitter because somebody called in and uh, was ripping the Yankees Twitter fans that said, I hope Manny Machado hits 700 against the Yankees. I hope he destroys the Yankees. And they were all saying, who says that? Who, who are you hanging around? And he's like, you know, Yankee Twitter, something I read on Yankee Twitter. Uh, get over it, Yankee fans, Yankee Twitter. We didn't sign Manny. And I guess he might get booed tonight. Maybe it'll be a little quieter, but as his first game in Yankee Stadium after not becoming a Yankee after the, the 2019 offseason, what else did you expect? I wasn't shocked at all. They, they booed him every so time he came I'm up. I'm not shocked that they booed him. And if you just want to boo him because he's a very good player on the team that we're playing against, just like any other time like he would come to New York, I'm totally fine with it. If you're booing him because he's not a New York Yankee, that makes no sense at all because at the end of the day, the Yankees didn't even offer him a contract. Like, right. you know, he came in and he took the tour and he said about, he said how much money he wanted and the Yankees said no and didn't even say, well, but what about this? So if we had made him an offer, if we had rolled out, you know, everything that we thought he was, uh, you know, everything we thought he wanted and it was, a case where, you know, sometimes agents will play games and just try to like one up the different teams. Then I get it. Then you used us. But he came, he took a tour. He didn't want to sign anywhere else. So he wanted to be a Yankee. And, you know, I was one of those people who were like, hey, if you want to be a Yankee, just be a say you'll take a hundred million dollars. Like, you know, take a huge discount to be a right. Yankee. But at the end of the day, it's a business, it's a job. The guy took the money that he wanted and you want to boo him, boo the shit out of him because he's a very good baseball player. And if you could fuck with him and get in his head, go nuts. I don't think you're going to get in his head. I think booing may just piss him off and he may just light us up for two home runs. So, uh, but, but booing a guy who was never on your team, who you never even got a contract offer makes no sense. You want to boo Robinson Cano when he leaves because he made a dumb choice and now he's got to pay for it in the purgatory that is Queens. Good for him. But, you know, this <laughs> is. I don't know. It just makes no sense. Yeah, We're just getting all our feelings for like no reason. And even though like the diehard baseball fans that don't like him because they say he's a dirty player. Sure. Boom. Um, and the other people that say, he, you know, he doesn't hustle. He doesn't play the game right. Sure. Boom. But we were never going to give him that 300 million. So you know, get over that. Build a bridge. Get over that. He was never coming here. Um, I even heard someone say that the Yankees gave him the tour, put his face on the a uh, big screen really just to appease Major League Baseball as one of the faces of baseball. Manny Machado did his rounds, did his, you know, um, offseason looking at teams. And the Yankees had to be a part of that because of how much hype, speculation, tweets were talking about Yan um, Machado being a Yankee. The Yankees just did what they had to do. But 
I mean, it was never going down. And look at where we are and look at where he is. Exactly. He is forgotten about until he comes to Yankee Stadium. And now on ESPN, on the Michael K show, on everything else today, they're talking about Machado getting booed. But nobody was talking about Machado last week or the week before. No, I mean, he's going to die a slow death on the West Coast until in probably three years he's traded. You you know what? Right. And then we won't, by then, we'll have a couple rings and we won't be interested. So, listen, the Padres, they're above 500. This is easily another like two of three series for the Yankees. I'm excited about that. And because a, a thing that I've said for a long time is uh, I always say if you win series, you win pennants. All you have to do, like, yeah, you, the sweeps are great. You get that four game sweep against Baltimore, that's great. Yes, we lost on a walk-off on Sunday in a, a tight game, but it's extra innings on a Sunday getaway day, and you don't want to lose that game. But we took two of three. Now you take two of three from Baltimore. Then you go in, you play, you have Boston come to town. You've got your foot on their neck. They're, what, six games back of us right now? You get three of four there, and next thing you know, it's the still the first week of June, and you've got – the Red Sox season, almost 10 games behind you. You know, it, it's the exact place that you want to be because this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So let's just continue to chip away, play the games that we've been playing the way we've been doing with everyone chipping in. And then guess what? The reinforcements are coming because we get a whole pretty much new all-star roster for the second half of the year, which is exciting. You want to talk some injuries, Keith? Let's Let's talk. Some yeah, time. why not? And you said we you said all star roster, uh, all star voting. I just got that email today. All star voting is starting up. It's going to be interesting to see who who represents the Yankees this year. But our second half team is going to be loaded, and this push, like replace for twenty eight, will turn into chase for twenty eight again because we'll push and we'll have have healthy guys, and it's just going to be a beast of a lineup and our full squad against guys that have played the whole year. Guys that have played the you know whole 162 when we get to uh, you know late September, it's going to be a good time to watch the Yankees. I mean, right now is a good time, but looking looking down the line, we keep taking series. We don't lose series. It's like we win every day. Help is on the way. Uh, we're going to be ready to run. And we're doing it in a way where we're building a lot of team chemistry, and no one knows what the four fingers are, and I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. No one knows what it is. They're not saying it. Everyone asks the team. They won't say. People think it's they should have walked me. Because it's always after a base hit, but I don't know. I'd like it. if it was. They should have walked me. That's smooth. I find I find that to be good. Yeah, that's great. And that goes back to Gary Thorne. Because uh, Gary Thorne, his first thing was put the yeah. four up, walking with yeah. labor. <laughs> you should have walked the and guy. And it's true. So we've got a lot of Yankees looking to come back and get to the major league roster. If you told me on opening day, or even you know mid-April, when all these injuries were really taking over. That it looks like the first person back is going to be Didi fucking Gregorius. To sitting here on a Tuesday, Didi is in Scranton. He played a couple games in single A Tampa after playing some extended spring training, which starts once he started playing those single A games. That starts his twenty day clock to get back. Um, I saw he went deep when he played the Pirates in Bradenton. Um, he's now Jay Bell today said that Didi Gregorius is going to be here for about six days. Aaron Boone said it could be uh, a week or two in Scranton, but it looks like it's going to be significantly less. He's saying that 
Um, today, he's going to play six innings at shortstop. He's going to DH tomorrow. And then on Thursday, he's going to play uh, nine innings at shortstop. So from there, we may see a weekend series. But loosely, we could see June 4th at the Toronto Blue Jays, Didi Gregorius back on the major league roster uh, wearing, well, not wearing pinstripes will be on the road, but I mean, from Tommy John surgery in the off season to being back ahead of Stanton and ahead of judge, uh, I think it just shows a lot about DD. He's just kind of better than every one of us at everything. Yeah. Freak athlete. He's a knight, a Dutchman. The guy's a photographer, low key. And we're just getting him in the mix of things, getting him back into, you know, baseball shape, just, having him play and he looks good. I mean, good enough for me. And I already know what he can do. I've seen him. So I'm just like, okay, how many more games he got to play? When's he ready? Like send him up because there's going to come a time real soon where we, we need him. And even though we look good and we, we've got an embarrassment of riches and, you know, replaced for 28 and guys have stepped up. Didi's a different type of guy and his style of baseball. I would love to see added right now to this team. Like, He's the type of guy, like, he's going to hit for power, but he's also going to come in and get those little knocks when you need him. And he's a freak defensively. If he's if he's good to throw and he's ready to go, you put him back at shortstop, let Glaber play second. We're rocking and rolling, man. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, so yeah. let's just talk a little bit about with Didi coming back. I mean, that it's just got to be the end of Kendrick Morales, right? That, that's got to be the end of his time. Yeah, and that's I mean, fine. You and you know that like even looking at like the outfielders, right? Like someone asked recently, oh, this outfield is shaping up to be great. Who's the first to go? Like, I, I think Maven. Um, and even though people hate on Clint, uh, like you can't you can't send Clint down. But uh, Morales is is next to go uh, when Didi comes up. Um, and I don't know, maybe Hale or I don't. We'll, we'll see. I'm not even worried about that. I know I know that we've got that already in line and figured out well, in the front well i think morales and... has given the ability to give voight some days off because he's played a lot of games this year and with uh lemayhew i think that it's a it makes this dj lemayhew signing look so much better because he can go over and play shortstop he could he can play everywhere except shortstop so he can play some first base yeah. he can be the backup first baseman he can be the backup second baseman he can be the backup third baseman i think geo uh, just from a, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he can play around the infield, but I think Geo really holds down that third base spot, and DJ just continues to kind of float around, and we find at bats for him until Stanton comes back to you know at the DH spot. So um, it's going to be interesting. I think this is the end of the Kendry Morales era, but everyone does get to be a Yankee once, and and he's continuing to prove that he's going to get a World Series ring. Good for him, from the Oakland A's to a World Series ring, yeah. and who knows where he's going to be next. Happy to have him. He's had some good at-bats. And I'm sure, like I said uh, last episode, he's helping guys because he's a, a film room guy. Um, but, you know, he's a professional too. And he knows. He 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 definitely didn't uh, walk into this season thinking he'd be on the Yankees. So I'm sure he's cool with whatever happens yeah, from this point I'm on. Yeah, just happy to be in the league still. Um, we've got Paxton. Um, it looks like this knee thing. Uh, my concern is this knee thing is going to be a thing all season. He uh, did a bullpen on, I believe, uh, Thursday and then Friday pitch in a simulated game and said, listen, it's sore, but like kind of, it is what it is. So we're now looking at him possibly coming back to start on Wednesday. He's going to be wearing a, a knee brace from now on 
a la CC Sabathia, you know, and it makes you concerned that even if he makes it through the season, is he going to then have to have offseason surgery? What does that look like for next year? But I think for right now, that'd be getting way too far ahead of ourselves. If we can just be, um, you know, if we could just get him back where he can get back to dealing the way he was because he struggled early on, really settled down, was really dealing. The last thing we needed was an injury from him. At least it's not an arm. If this brace can stabilize him, then at least we have four starters in our five-man rotation, you know? Right, yeah. And fingers crossed for him this week against the Red Sox. He's pitched well against them historically, and we need him against the Red Sox. I mean, even if he's pitching with pain or, you know, I don't I don't know. Like, he, he's spoken a lot about it where it doesn't make me necessarily confident he's going to return and be what we want him to be. Um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping he can give us a good start this week and, you know, champ it out. Everybody's hurt. Literally the story of this team this year is everybody's hurt. Everybody's seeing the IL. Everybody's coming back. Hopefully he can battle through and just champ it out and and be the guy that we signed him to be. This was our first signing of the offseason. Off Everyone knew we were going to get pitching. We signed Paxton. Like, come on, dude. And uh, Batantis is going to throw off a mound. That's big because he's been doing long toss. He's been throwing. Last time he threw off a mound, that's when we found more injury in his shoulder. So being a reliever, that's good because he's going to be able to kind of bounce back faster. He doesn't get stretched out to 80, 100 pitches. Um, you know, it could be a two-week process till he's back. So then we're looking at him in June, as we had said, which when we talk about the workload that some this bullpen has taken on a workload with our starting pitching injuries, uh, it'll be good just to divvy up some more of those innings and, and get some more work out of Batances and, you know, also give us the ability to not have to keep sending guys up and down because we're running out of arms. Um, Aaron Judge continues to progress. Yeah. Uh, he has been playing catch and tracking pitches, which is, for anyone who doesn't know, just standing in the batter's box while they're throwing pitches so he can get used to looking at a baseball again. But he's hopeful to start some dry swings this week. Uh, what encourages me is that that came from him. He did do an interview with Yes where uh, they asked how he was doing, and it wasn't speculation. It wasn't Boone kind of throwing into a press conference. It was him directly saying, I'm, uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm going to be able to at least start hitting off a tee this week, which is great. Um, with Stanton still shut down right now, and we don't really know much about what's going on with him. Um, it's good to see that. The other thing I like is that Aaron Judge is around this team, and he's being a leader. So, uh, I mean, I'm a big Clint Frazier fan. I know you're a big Clint Frazier fan, but I think we could just say Clint has stunk in the outfield. Um, defensively, it's been tough. It's been tough to watch, um, and I think it's really what it is. He was never viewed as like a, you know some great outfielder, uh, but I think he's in his own head. He's a guy who gets in his own head. He's definitely in his own head. And do you think like I, I, do you have you heard anything about his relationship with Gardy? This might be like a conspiracy theory, but just seeing them in the outfield together when like they're like looking at the replay of like a Clint error or a drop ball, it's just like there's like an awkwardness between them and. He, you would expect it to be awkward when a guy comes in and says, I'm basically trying to take your job. When a young guy comes in and says that um, to a, a veteran and then they got to play in the outfield together, Guardy's in center, you know, he's in right. And then there, I don't know, is there communication off? Like something isn't right when I see them out there. And, you know, Clint's just got to do something. He's a swag champ. He's got the cleats. 
Maybe he needs a new glove every game or something. <laughs> I, you can't have you can't have a new glove every game because you got to break it in. But he's got to do something because these are routine. Like yeah, there was one in Kansas City catchers. where it was just it just went in his glove and out. You know, and yeah, it's like dude, they're there are fifteen year olds that are making that a hundred times out of a hundred. They're making that play, and it's like he's definitely in his head. I don't know if he, if him and Guardy have some type of unspoken awkward beef based on the past and the history, but he's got to figure that out because his back can only make up for it so much. It's awesome that he's he's seen it again. And uh, I, f- I forget, he said he saw something on an Instagram video uh, that he was doing, and I guess it like tipped him off to change it. It was in the Yes Network uh, interview yesterday um, after the game, but he's figured it out again at the plate. He's gotten high yeah. again at the plate. But you cannot be a liability like that defensively or you're coming out and maybe I it's coming in. he is... I mean, we've seen him battle back from like the concussions of last year and he came back and it took, he had a terrible spring training and then he kind of got things going. He got hot. Then he had the ankle and he, you know, probably didn't want to go out, but then he went out and then it just kind of, you know, it it just kept, he has a hard time getting going. Like now in the last week, he's hit uh, like four home runs in the last week. So it's one of those things like once he gets going, he gets going. And it's part of me just thinks like, oh, does he just need like a diving catch? Like if he makes one diving catch, does he become like an all-star? Maybe, right. One one diving catch and now he's not going to miss any of yeah. the regular ones. He's definitely in his head, man. Even like he, he posted like I think after the, the Orioles series and he had a couple bombs, he posted an Instagram and the, the caption was, I'm still here, dog. And that's from a Drake yeah. song. And it was like, yeah, we know you're still here. And, like, we, we need you. And we don't want you to go anywhere. But we want you to catch the ball. And we want you to hit. And that's and it. And I think, you know, if we can figure out the defense with him, I think it'll be great. And so this kind of – I pivoted off this from Judge. And I didn't even know you were going to go there with the Gardner thing. But here's something I find interesting. Earlier this afternoon, Clint was out in right field early, um, you know, like 430-ish, getting in work with balls pretty much hit into the corner and off the wall, um, just so he can get kind of better at, at playing those balls and, and being more comfortable with it. And what I found is that, uh, interesting, is Aaron Judge and Aaron Hicks were out there, along with uh, Reggie Willits, the outfield coach, helping him. But Brett Gardner was not out there. Yeah, see what I'm saying, man? Um, there, there might be some type of, like, I don't know. Are they homies? I I feel like they can't be homies. If if you're a veteran on the team and a young guy like that is coming in in, in uh, preseason spring training saying, yeah, I'm trying to take that spot. I'm trying Which to I, I did not think was a good thing to New say. Yankees. I mean, I think that uh, puts you I in a bad. Me either. And now fast forward a couple months and now you guys got to play next to each other in the outfield and their communication is clearly off. Uh, we've seen a couple plays where that ball, you know, dropped or, you know, Maybe Gardy should have made the play or Clint should have made the play. And then I swear, every time I'm watching the game and I see them two together looking at the replay of what happened, it just looks so awkward. It doesn't look like they're cool. doesn't look like they're friends. looks like Gardy's watching the replay like, yeah, bro, you suck. And Clint's watching the replay confused like, I don't know how I dropped that or didn't make that yeah. play. Um, I mean, hopefully they figure it out because they're, they're going to be teammates the rest of this year. Um, I just don't see a way unless there's an injury that one of them is gone. I mean, Gardner has, he goes in his spurts the same way Clint does. I mean, over the last uh, week, Gardner's hitting 450, Clint's hitting 
385. Gardner's got a home run, a triple, three doubles. Clint's got four home runs, uh, two doubles, 10 RBIs. Like, you know, these guys, they're both playing well, at least for right now or for the last week. So they got to figure it out. They, they got to sort it out because there's too much on the line. And, and really, they fought through enough just to get to the point to be able to, you know, be competitive, you know, right now. So hopefully if there is some kind of, uh, you know, conspiracy theory, they, they sort it all out. Do you buy into at all the idea that this Stanton thing, people think it's there's something else. They're hiding something. Um, you know, he got hit in the knee. Now it's his calf. Like, you know, a lot of people think that the Yankees have some huge conspiracy. Uh, and I think I saw some people, uh, maybe you went off on someone or not off, but you respond to someone who had like some ridiculous, fa- some ridiculous theory. But I just think like, I just think Stanton's maybe too big and he just pulled some muscles and he's just having a tough time getting limber right now. I think I wrote something on one of the maybe BP chats or some, I, no, someone wrote a post about um, John Carlo. And I was like, listen, this dude is a, NFL tight end. He's huge. And he's also like a power lifter. So if he, it could be, it could be multiple things. But the way I look at it is this guy wants to play. He left Miami to be in New York in the spotlight on a competitive team. His dream is to play on a competitive team. He was an all star. He was an MVP on a shitty ass team in Miami. He's got to want to get back more than anyone. But Sometimes the way the universe goes and the way, you know, big muscle bound guys like that, like, like his body is working against him. And then sometimes you just have bad luck. And I know he's probably pressing. I'm sure he wants to be, he's a $325 million man. And the Yankees are talk of the town, talk of the country. He wants to be in that lineup and he wants to be contributing, but he just can't get right. And you think he's on his way and then it's a setback. And you think it's just a bicep, then it's a shoulder. Then he's getting he's getting hit in in, in BP with like what? Like he's it's just bad luck. So I don't think there's any conspiracy theory. I just think the guy is pressing. I think the guy wants to be on this team contributing, but like it ain't about him. And here's the only conspiracy theory I can come up with for, for G. Year two G is what I was calling him. You know, I thought his second year with the Yankees was gonna be awesome. But with year two G the Yankees have gone away from the Jacoby Ellsbury type contracts, yep. right? We took on his $325 million. He doesn't fit the replace for 28 moniker. He doesn't fit the next man up thing. He's the old school, um, you know, sign somebody from another team and throw a bunch of money at him. He fits that old Yankee way, this new Yankee way of next man up, replace for 28, chip on, on your shoulder. These guys are competitive. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't fit. Maybe it's not his time. Maybe we see him come in later in the year. I don't know. Let's say around August. And it's like you put him in the lineup and he's bopping when we need him to, to bop. But he's not playing every day. He's DHing here and there. And I don't know. Maybe he walks us off in a big game later in the year. But right now as we're making this run and we're making this push, this replace for 28, we don't need John Carlos Stanton. And that's that doesn't mean we don't need him. He's a, a former MVP. I'm just saying, like, there's something about his contract and the type of play, type of player that he was that, like, I don't know, the universe isn't putting him into this puzzle right now. I get right what now. you're saying. You're not you're not like the people who are like, well, do we even want him back? Yeah, we want him back. 
do we need him back? Of course. We might not for right now. And I would rather, especially if he's pressing, and that's leading to like more, especially when it's all muscles and it's all, everything he's had is like some kind of strain. It feels like he's pressing. It's like, just relax, get right. Because I'd rather have you at 100% August, September, October than coming back at 80% in uh, June and then I'm just 80, 70, 60%, you know, not getting you, you know, for really what we're paying for here. And he's battled, you know, he's battled injuries in his career at times. Last year, he really, he battled through a whole injury, you know, a whole, you know, lower uh, half injury to, to play 158 games for us. So right last year, he kind of earned uh, a little bit of flexibility, I think, with fans. And for right now, just kind of get right. I don't think that there's some like bigger conspiracy theory though. Everyone thinks the Yankees are hiding something. I just no. think he's not healthy. Well, I think it is. Right, he's not healthy. He's a huge dude, and he lifts like you see the see the videos. This guy, he's like pulling ropes, and he's just I don't know. He's lifting like an NFL player, and you don't need to lift like that for baseball. And I think the biggest thing is a lot of it is in his head. There was that little clip where they they were asking him about him swinging, and he looked irritated. He's like, I'm gonna take some swings, and we're gonna see how it goes. He's got to be irritated. He's not really a Yankee yet. He just missed his his bobblehead day. He's got what? What do you think he's doing right now? If you could, if you could see into what John Carlos doing, like right, he's not doing what he thought he would be doing. He thought he'd be living up here in New York, contributing and being the best player on this team or one of the best players on the, on this team. He might be in like a, a little bit of a nightmare episode. I'm, I'm gonna pray for him actually because. <laughs> the strongest muscle is your mind. If his mind isn't right, his body isn't going to get right. If he's, he, it could be doomsday for him. He could be thinking, "Man, wow, I, I signed with the Yankees. They took my contract on. My first year was a down year for me, and now my second year, I'm not even going to see the." Do you think field. he ever it just like looks around and sees like what this year has turned into, and just goes, "But I had my furniture on time. I thought I was going to be <laughs> exactly. fine." Exactly, dude. And he's coming out of Miami. He was in beautiful Miami with the penthouse, had everything, signed the big contract. They're popping big bottles for him. Yeah, but none of his New York. Okay, we roll out the red carpet. None of his teammates. None of his teammates here are doing lines of blow and taking a boat out on the Hudson. So things are still better off for him. Jeez. Severino's going to throw this week, possibly off a mound for the first time, which you know that would slate him to come back around the All Star break. Um, You know, as he kind of ramps up, he'll have to do. Um, probably some, I don't even know, like how long does extended spring training go on for? Like it's June. That shit goes Dude. on for fucking forever. <laughs> Who is down there? Extended spring training is year like, round. Extended spring training I, is all I the honestly, time. I've been meaning to even like Google, like extended spring training just to like learn more about, but, like who is there? Like you're not on a major league roster. You're not on a minor league roster. You're just kind of dicking around Tampa. Jacoby Ellsbury is in ex- extended spring training yeah, year. I mean, it's just like, is it a local high school team that's like already done for the season? <laughs> I just don't I just don't understand where the physical bodies are coming from the players. Yeah, like who's the, who's yeah. playing? They're, maybe they're young guys. There's a, there's got to be a, l- a lot of young farm guys in extended spring training that are trying to make make it and they're far away. I don't yeah. know. Extended spring training, like. Sevi, I don't know. Sevi is another one, right? Domingo has stepped in and become Sevi, and I hope his mind is right because he would like he had his best year last year, and I mean we need him. If he comes, imagine with what we have right now. If he comes back throwing the stuff that that we've seen from him, 
you put a dominant ace like that next to Domingo, and Domingo kind of gave it up in his last appearance. But I don't think that's true to what we're going to consistently see from him. It was just he's just a young player but, too. I, I yeah, he's still figuring it out. He's got to fuck up. He's but he's he showed he's shown us that he's made strides. You put him next to Severino in a series. Game one is is Domingo. Game two is Severino. Game three is Paxton. You know what I'm saying? Like we have like if if everything went the way that we want it to and everybody comes back healthy and has their stuff, you know, we got the guys for a series and we already know we got the bats for a series because we ain't losing series anymore. Severino is, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think I saw somewhere on Twitter that it's, uh, he, he's on pace to come back around the same time as Jordan Montgomery. People forget about Monty, but you know, he, he's a serviceable starter too. I'd like to see him come back this year and maybe, Give us a couple good starts. I'd like to see him maybe beat Severino because who knows how long Severino is going to take. Like it just takes so long for these guys to to get ramped up and get ready. Well, I think the other thing is that um, two years ago, Jordan Montgomery and Hill, I'm sure, be on some kind of innings limit, but it kind of works out. He threw 155 innings, whereas Domingo Herman has only thrown. Uh, I, I think he topped out at like 120 innings or something like that. I'm pulling it up right now. So he, oh no, last year he threw 85 and two thirds of an inning. He's already over 60 innings this year. So he's, you know, three good starts. You know, if if we got what we want out of him, he's four starts away from, you know, already matching what he did all of last year. And then at a certain point, you know, maybe you can up it 25%. So you're looking at 100 innings, maybe up to 120. But Domingo Herman, who has been great and at, legitimately has an opportunity to possibly start the All-Star game or definitely at least make the All-Star team, uh, there will we there's no chance we see him in the postseason, which will be another interesting wrinkle in this season. You're saying there's no chance Domingo pitches in no, the postseason no, for us? No, because he's going to be out of innings. If he's only yeah. thrown 85 innings at the professional level, he's already at over 60. I mean, you can't just run him out there because you got to think about it. Like from what he's shown us, you do have to think about the future of his career. His agent would, you know, definitely throw a fit too. Um, I'm sure you know. You ask him as a player. Uh, both, I think, I don't think it's all fluff too. When players are like, no, like I want to, I want to fucking play. I don't care. I'm trying to win a world series. Realistically, he can't go out there and throw, you know, if he were to stay healthy the whole year, he'd give us 200 innings and he can't do that. His body would fall apart. It's not built for it. So, right. I mean, we, we don't have any other options, man. Like we're not, we don't have many options. We got to sign. So there we go. Let's talk about it. Perfect transition into Yankee scout Dallas, Dallas Keuchel, Keuchel and... has been working out. He's a free agent. The draft is next week. And after that, the Yankees would not have to give up their 38th overall pick in the draft. And I believe $1.2 million in uh, bonus slots. All this fucking, uh, uh, it's too confusing with the, the slots and how much they can spend. And, and the then draft. like. Yeah, and there's like, well, right now it would be a half a million dollars, but in actual value it would be this. Just I, we could sign Dallas Keuchel next week. He's been throwing simulated games, um, you know, really just working out as if he is, you know, getting ready for a season. And the Yankees were there to watch it, which is which is great. 
you know, out in Newport Beach. Um, I, for right now, I want the Yankees to sign Dallas Keuchel because we need the arms. I think yeah. everyone who, because Dallas Keuchel played in the West, and yes, we did see him in 2017 in the playoffs, and we famously saw him in 2015 uh, beat us in the wild card game, and we watched him win a Cy Young. I think everyone thinks a little too highly of Dallas Keuchel, um, and I, I don't think I, he's just—he's not that good. Like he's—he's he's a very good ball player. I'm not saying he's a bad ball player, but everyone thinks he's going to come in and he's going to win 20 games for us just starting next week. Uh, which isn't going to happen because realistically, you know, he is a, you know, he had almost a four ERA last year. Uh, he's, you know, he's close to, he's got a three, six, six career ERA. He hasn't been some light the world on fire pitcher. He had one very good year and he sprinkled in a, a couple other good seasons around it. I mean, if he's available, we don't want to see him go to Tampa. We don't want to see him go so Houston, back to Houston. We don't want to see the Red Sox throw their hand in. Um, I don't expect them to win 20 games for us, but with our injuries and with our rotation now, and like bringing up the point about Domingo and you know him being a young guy and not being able to stretch him out like that, it makes sense. And uh, Batista tweeted it. When we were in Cashman's suite and we spoke with Michael Fishman, we were just making conversation, and Batista's like, you know, how high are we on Dallas Keuchel right now? And this is before CC's knee. This is before, um, you know, we were looking at what we we're looking at. And I was saying we got to be like 50, maybe 75 percent in on on signing Dallas Keuchel. And everybody was looking at me like, no, no, no. no. And I'm like, why not? Because uh, he's going to look strange without his beard. No, that guy, we've seen what, what that guy does. And. Even if it's just a move to take him away from our competitors, I like the I move. like it. I think we sign him to a one-year deal. I don't think we give him a long-term I, term see, deal. For, he wants, I think it was like $17.9 was what he turned down. And so he wants that same money, obviously prorated for this year. Um, I could see him getting a two- or a three-year deal with this obviously being one of the years. But... I don't see it's tough because he's already 31, uh, you know, 31 and a half. Yeah. So if he signs a three year deal, you know, coming at 34, he's a free agent again. Um, you you got to wonder how much his, you know, Scott Boris is going to play into it because Scott Boris is his agent and Scott Boris is a pain in the ass when it comes to this stuff. I mean, he's sending guys to Japan. Yeah, <laughs> sending young guys to Japan to get their cash. I mean, so, all right, if we don't get him for one year, maybe we give him, you know, two years with some options. But I just think it's a smart move. And if, like, the Rays are as high as high on him as we think uh, they are, we got to take him away from them. And even for going back to the Astros, the Astros get him and he regains his form, getting back with his old teammates for them to make a run. You know, that's not good for us. I think we, we I think he won't go back to Houston because he could have gone back to Houston. And I think he's. Yeah, I think he's got that that, that bitterness. I mean, I want him because we need him. Like, we we need another arm, and I don't think the trade market is going to be there for us to really make a killing in. So I I say we sign him, uh, maybe two years with an option or or something like that. But I do think that everyone needs to, you know, pump the brakes a little bit 
because I think everyone just hears the name Keuchel and they're just like, well, there we go. The other good thing is he does, you know, he does eat up innings. He, you know, threw over 200 innings last year. So if he can go out there and eat up some of these innings that are out there for us, that'll be great. With our bullpen. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it's, it's looking, it's looking if like getting him and getting him ready is looking better than some of the options we have right now, especially if it's after June and we get him ready for a postseason run. He's got postseason experience. We could be facing his old team where he has a chip on his shoulder. He knows some things about those guys. Yeah, he you knows know, the steroids know. that they're all taking in Houston. Yeah, they got something. Minute Maid Park. Something yeah. Oh, man, you just learn how to pitch again at 40 down there. Um, what else is going on in the league? The Mets signed Matt Kemp. Who gives a shit? Fuck those guys. Fuck the Mets. I'm in full-on hate yeah, the Mets part of the, the Mets, season. Straight up. I don't give a fuck about the Mets. They are losers. We talked about the Mets last week because they're a mess, and it was it was good to just you know rain on their parade some more. But I think I had a couple tweets and people messaging me. I just curb people talking about the Mets. And it's like, we don't give a fuck about the Mets. We mentioned the Mets in the podcast last week because it was literally the talk of the town, and the Mets suck. <laughs> but, like, Congrats. You guys signed Matt, Matt Kemp to a minor league deal. Um, Rajay Davis hit a home run for you last week. He got sent right back to AAA after hitting that home run. Matt Kemp will be you know, just the next guy in the circus. We'll see what comes from that. Um, pivot, pivot to the, uh, the next around the league news. This, this one, I think, hit home for you. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dustin Pedroia's career is probably over. And you know what? Fuck him. I don't give a shit. <laughs> fuck Dustin Pedroia. Fuck him. Fuck his wife. Fuck his mother. I don't give a shit about Dustin Pedroia. I'll tell you that. Because I well, you don't you don't feel no, bad. No, I don't for feel bad career. for I because I said I was like, oh boo-hoo, Dustin Pedroia's career is over. Yo, Dustin Pedroia has haunted me for forever. Because he's just a, a, a little shit who plays baseball very well. For me to actually motherfuck Dustin Pedroia like this is like one of the highest honors I can give someone. But people, when I do, they're like, oh, his career could be over. How could he be like that? His career's over because of a bum knee, not cancer. If he had cancer, I wouldn't be fucking cheering for his career. He's right. got a bum knee and $141 million. I don't give a shit. Yeah, and he's been a part of World Series, and he's in Boston where like he's he's played for one team. Like He's, he's had a great run through Boston. He's a Boston legend. Father Time is undefeated. Fuck him. I don't care. If he's done, he's done. I saw someone compare him to, uh, they're like, oh, this is sad, just like David Wright. Fuck him and David Wright and the Mets and the Red Sox. I don't care to see them ride off yeah, into the, the saddest sunset. thing. I have, I have no interest. The saddest thing in about Dustin Pedroia's career possibly being over is that I can't see him limp off a of first base one more fucking time. Like, that's the saddest thing for me. I want to see him get injured yeah, one more he's time. Done. I'm that wrestler who goes back for another chronic, yeah. chronic knee pain. Placed on the 60-day DL. Just hang it up, bro. You guys aren't winning anyway. Like, just hang it up, dude. It's all good. Maybe he can be an advisor. I do like the idea that he's going to go home and rest because he just can't play every day in his rehab stint. So maybe rest all help. And if he just rests for a while, then he'll be able to ramp it up again. And I'm fine with that because I would love for him to come back and be a distraction to that team again and maybe stunt the growth of another future infielder because he can't just walk away. Listen, Dustin Pedroia, $141 million in his career. I don't give a shit about him and his shitty knee. Um, and it's a changing of the guard, in my opinion. Let these young boys play in Boston, man. You're, you're part of the old regime. You, 
you had your run. Uh, there's the door, bro. Just hang it up. And I think I read an article that like he was pulling himself out of games. That's how you know it when you're done. When you're not even trying to like champ it out and just deal with the pain where like, you know, like a play could happen. He could he could have a double play, uh, have a guy slide into him and then come out. No, he's just going out there and, and you know, calling for the trainer. Especially so when it's okay. Dustin Madroya because Bobby Valentine, who famously managed the uh, Red Sox for one shitty season and wore a fake disguise in uh, the Mets dugout, and also claims this is one of the biggest bullshits in the world. Bobby Valentine claims that he invented the wrap, like the wrap sandwich. Bobby Valentine, like the a manager, like a like a turkey yeah, BLT. He claims wrap? he invented that. If you go. <laughs> People have been rapping things exactly. for decades, centuries. The guy who like, owns the founder of Chick Fil A claims to have invented the chicken sandwich too. It's crazy what people could just say they invented. But yeah, if you go to Bobby Valentine's restaurant in Stanford, they uh, he, they claim that's where the wrap sandwich was invented. Which a wrap and a sandwich are two different things, but that's what they call it. Um, so there's a video. It's probably on YouTube somewhere. I saw where. They people were at Bobby Valentine's restaurant, and uh, Bobby Valentine happened to be there. And it's like it's not a nice restaurant; it's like a shitty bar restaurant. Um, and they were secretly taping him while he came up and talked to them. And they asked, like, "Well, what's it like? Uh, you know, like what's Pedroia like?" And he goes, "Listen, Pedroia, it's fucked up." And you think it's gonna take this negative turn? He's like, he goes, he takes fucking ninety five off the wrist. You know, and the next day you show up and he's the first person in the clubhouse and it's six hours before the game starts and he's fully in his uniform, ready to play. And he's a psychopath. And so if Dustin Pedroia is taking himself out of games, he just he doesn't have it anymore. And all those racist Red Sox fans can cry themselves to sleep because fuck them. They'll be fine. They won. They won the World Series. They'll be happy to come in last place this year. The uh, the Twins. Have hit a hundred home runs in fifty games. Yeah, you, you think they're gonna break our record from last year? Literally, no one cares. Like, you think they're gonna break the? I, I think they're gonna hit a wall. They're gonna slow down. I don't think they've got the guys to sustain it. I think it's a combination of the juice balls that we've been talking about this year, the bad pitching we're talking about, and I don't know these guys. Like, who? I don't even know who's hitting all these. Yeah. Guys. Uh, Miguel Sano, who I only know from seeing him at uh, home run derbies. Pelotero. Yeah. Is he, he has he been healthy the whole year? I know they got um Schwope, Scoop, Schwope, Schwoop from uh from the yeah, Orioles. I, just, like, uh, I don't even Scope. know like who is on the twins. They are so here's what I know about here's Max what Kepler? I know about the twins. The Minnesota twins have hit a hundred home runs in 50 games all right they uh last year they hit their 100th home run on july 23rd in game 98 both their 100 home runs last few years have been max kepler here but here's what i know about them i know they're 10 games up in first place i know that they can win the central division and i know if they come into the bronx in the playoffs nelson cruz is over there too i just well i know that if the Twins win the AL Central. They make the playoffs. If they come to the Bronx, we're going to beat that ass. Like, that's what I know. Like, right. that's, that's, that's at the end of the day, that's why yeah. none of this like matters. You're, 
coming to just get that ass beat. I mean, I, I don't know what it is, but you put on that uniform in the Bronx in the fall. We're going to beat that ass. I'm sorry. I just can't be. And then the other thing is we talk so much about how the Yankees were building. We talked about it early in the year. A lot of our early success was built on the home run. And now we're talking about how we're winning games by only hitting one home run or hitting no home runs. And I think at a certain point, that'll catch up to the Twins. What happens when, you know, now that they've gone out of the cold months, which I think is a disadvantage there of playing those cold April and like some May games in Minnesota. But now what about when it's just fucking August and it's just so hot mm -hmm. and you're in Minnesota and you just can't drive the ball for some, it's humid. So the ball's not traveling well because the air is thick. I mean, what happens then? Target field is a, is yeah, a big part. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that they're necessarily going to have uh, the answer, you know, to, to make a deep run. So it's funny. It is kind of like, the, oh, the Padres are two games above 500. Well, that's on the West Coast. Who gives a shit? You're the Minnesota Twins. Like, <laughs> no one cares. You're not one of the sexy, uh, like, middle-of-the-country teams, like the, the Cubs um, or the Cardinals or even – you know, the Indians for a little bit. Like, the Indians would get some buzz. The Minnesota Twins get no buzz because no one takes them seriously at all. Yeah, no, that's what I said I, when I wrote in the notes. I'm like, the Twins have hit 100 home runs in 50, 50 games, but no one cares. No one is like, look out for the Twins. Like, it's cool that, they, that they're on pace to break the Yankees' record from last year, but I think that's more um, – you could attribute that more to, like I said, the juice balls, the pitch, the pitching – and we'll see if they keep it up. I, I highly yeah, I'm not worried about those guys. Last but not last, last but not least, I want to lead this one because I think every week now I'm gonna pull a little nugget, a little nugget from Yankees Twitter. And I love that today on the radio on WFAN, I heard a caller reference Yankees Twitter. First off, shout out to Yankees Twitter. You guys are blowing up. And I have this little Yankees Twitter list. So when people follow me, like JJ tells you, follow Which me. Which you Twitter, should. If I At go Keith to your page, underscore McPherson. Yeah, I'll follow you back. If you're a Yankee fan, we're talking about the Yankees. You could follow me. At JJ fan. from the Bronx, follow I will right not back. follow you back unless you're interesting. But go ahead. We can talk more <laughs> about this because I have a feeling I know where this is going. So the thing with Yankees Twitter, right? I have over 400 people in this Yankees Twitter list. It's just cool because, like, during the Yankee games, I can go on Twitter and not catch all the other tweets from. I don't know, like hip hop things or football things or basketball things. I can just look at like who's tweeting about the Yankees from Yankees Twitter. And this week, shout out to David Cohn. I catch everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people talking about how David Cohn follows back fans, interacts with fans. And then, of course, there's the people that ruin it for everyone because he does follow a lot of people back. He does re reply to a lot of people. They start to reply and request that he followed them back. Now, this guy gave us a perfect game. He doesn't have to give you a follow back, but it starts to become this thing that I'm seeing. Oh, David Cohn, here's why you should follow me. X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. I, I had your jersey in the third grade. I watched your perfect game. Uh, I love ice cream cones. Ice cream for everyone. Follow me, follow me. And I'm like, that's got to be annoying. Like, he's trying to get in, like, on, on Twitter and, like, be one of the, like, people more. You know, he's a former Yankee. He's a broadcaster. We love the guy. I got to meet him through Bronx Pinstripes a couple of years back. Did a face swap with him. I tweet it every time I can because it's just hilarious to see, like, his old white face <laughs> on my black face. It's it's funny. But 
he followed me back then. I never asked him to follow me. I never campaigned for him to follow follow me. Yankees Twitter, you got to do less. If David Cohn, D Cohn thirty six doesn't follow you back, it's okay. You still should follow him. You still should, should you still should support him. Go buy the book full count. Him and Jack Curry's book just came out. It's great promo for them that everybody's trying to get a follow from David Cohn, but he doesn't have to follow you back. It's not required. Does he follow a lot of people? I felt special. I think he follows the people that he think like like how you just said. I'm only going to follow you back if you're interesting. I think he follows back people that are interesting or that are involved or that he thinks would be a good follow. Uh, he's a, a baseball guy, literally like the definition of a baseball guy. So he's not going to just follow everyone back. And Yankees Twitter is the worst. We have the worst takes of any fan base. We fight amongst each other. We fight against each other. We criticize our own team in the first inning. Then we cheer as they come back like they had no chance of coming back. We're the worst fan base. So I don't think Cone needs to follow everyone back. And I don't think everyone needs to ask. Like it's it's just such a reach. Like like I said, this guy gave us a perfect game. He doesn't have to give you a follow it's back. It's tough because, like, he doesn't want to look like a dick. And I get like he follows a lot of people. He follows twenty nine hundred people, which uh, is an amount that I don't even know how you operate on Twitter when you follow that many people. Like occasionally, I log into the Bronx Pinstripes Twitter, and I, Scott has followed like the timeline forty one thousand people. Because sometimes I'll crazy. tweet something. And then it's like, I want to retweet it from Bronx Pinstripes if it's an article or something like that. And it's like, I can't even find it because it's so many people. So I have no idea how you follow that many people. But yeah, begging people is a bad look. Like, I mean, I'm nobody. I'm a fucking nobody. And people will be like, yo, sometimes people will DM me like, hey, I just followed you. Can you follow me back? And I'll look at their stuff and I'm like, you don't say anything interesting to me. Um, if you can organically make it happen, I think that's great. Um, I, you know, best of luck to David Cohn. I would buy his book, but I don't read books. That's not my deal. Maybe if they put it on tape or he does a lot of podcasts, I'll listen to it. Um, but if I could pick any two men to be my gay fathers, it would be David Cohn and David Wells. They're my favorite two people. They're my favorite duo ever. I know. I, I wish they were. I, would like... I wish they were. <laughs> I think they'd be perfect for each other. If, if I don't think either one together, of them could do gay better. Be. Like, I think they're perfect for each other. <laughs> yeah, I saw them at the uh, at the at the perfect show like three years ago, um, and they were super cool. They were like, they were obviously the best people there. But like, who else was there? I don't know. There was a bunch of people there. It was like celebrating the like seventy two Dolphins, the UCLA team that went undefeated, and those two for throwing like a perfect game. And they were talking to everybody. Uh, we did an interview with David Cohen. I think he followed me right after that. Right after that interview, um, shout out to him for being all about Yankees Twitter. And I think every week I'll have to pull something. I had a couple other things from Yankees Twitter that I'm gonna save. You gotta let that to hate come. out. I actually looked back, and on July 5th, 2015, um, they, David Cohen and David Wells were both in New York. I remember this. They played golf together during the day. And they had tweeted, and then, um, or no, David Cohn was working. David Wells was not an announcer yet, so he was out playing golf. And so instead of just texting, he just tweets at like at D Cohn thirty six. Yo, scumbag, you back from the game? Just got back from draw from golfing. Trump course is killer. He had just played the Trump course in the Bronx, is obviously <laughs> before Trump was president. Um, and then, <laughs> and then, um. 
Cone then three hours later tweets him, too much walking shoes worn thin. Here we go again. Which who knows how drunk they are. So I took a screenshot and said, if I could handpick my own gay dads, it would be uh, Boomer Wells and, and Decone36, <laughs> hashtag love wins. And um, Co- Wells wrote back, that's some funny shit. Then I tried to invite them both to my wedding and uh, they did not come. <laughs> so I do. Yeah, I like that they do that. Like, I, I think they've done some other things like that. It's just like, it's like being in on their like group chat or something. Like you're the third member of their group chat. You get to see their like public text. They talk to each other on Twitter as if they were they just, just call texting. Each other scumbags all the time. It's great. I love them. Uh, I want to hang out with them. I want to drink with them. Cone Wells, if, if you ever hear this, let's get some beers. So that's what we got for this week. It is, uh, it's a good week to be a Yankee fan. It's always a good week to be a Yankee fan. I was just explaining this to someone this week. They asked me, you know, why do you love the Yankees so much? I said, because honestly, they try. They're trying every, they've never punted a season as long as I've been alive. They're always trying to win. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, I've been your host, JJ. You could follow me at JJ from the Bronx. You could follow Keith at Keith underscore McPherson on Twitter. No underscore on Instagram. Keith, you got anything else for the people? Yeah, I'm not going to follow you back on Instagram because that's a whole different beast. I don't want to see your you know, dog. I don't want to see your mom on Mother's Day. Uh, but if you follow me on Twitter and you tweet about the Yankees, I'll at least give you a trial run, follow you back, add you to Yankees Twitter. And then if you say something ridiculous or stupid, I'll just unfollow and act like, you know. I'll I'm tell you what, Keith responds to a lot of tweets. I see him responding a lot. Yeah. I try. I really do. Some, some, some I curb, but for the most part, I, I talk to everybody that's that's tweeting or trying to tweet because we're in this together, man. I see you at the parade type thing. That's that's the that's the whole mentality. Replace twenty, re, uh, replace for twenty eight. I like it, man, together. because and you can always tell when it's been a Keith uh, tweet from George's box instead of me because of all the emojis. You look like when a like a kid gets a gets a hold of like a thing <laughs> of stickers and you leave them alone in a room for a minute. And you come back and it's like boom, just flexing black arms everywhere. Fire emoji, black arm flexing, hundred uh, bullseye emoji. Yeah, smiley face emoji or the pissed off emoji with the smoke coming. Yeah, out you could also face. tell it's not me when it's a flexing black arm because I'm really white. But hey, well, all right. Use it. Damn, I'm so close to the cookout. So close to being invited to the cookout. That's all we have. That's how you get right? the black Twitter. Oh, man, <laughs> that's all we got for you guys this week. Follow the podcast at George's Box Pod on Twitter, on Instagram. If you're coming out to Yankee Game Friday, if you're coming to the Bronx Pinstripes event, we're going to see you there. If you're not coming to the Bronx Pinstripes event, just get tickets to the game because the Yankees are playing the Red Sox. And think about it. As a Yankee fan, for every seat you're occupying in that stadium, that's one less Red Sox fan that can be there. And that's important. Come to the dugout before the game. We'll be hanging out. Keith will be taking pictures. He's doing them free this time. So get them while they're free. Buy everyone a shot, a beer. Just have a great time. And you know what? If you want to tell Andrew I could beat him up, you can, but he already knows it. And you know what? We'll see you at the parade. Goodness gracious!
The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.